For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of the How of Business. This is Henry Lopez. And before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to one of our listeners, McKay. McKay listens to the show and has been listening for quite some time, and he is in Utah. McKay, thanks for being a regular listener of the How of Business Today, I have an exciting guest. He is Brian K. McRae. Brian, welcome to the show. Hello, Henry. Glad to be here. I'm glad to have Brian with us. Let me tell you a little bit about Brian and we'll get right into it. Brian is a a speaker, a trainer, and a coach uh, who helps individuals uncover their full potential. For almost two decades, Brian has built a successful referral-driven practice in the mortgage industry and is using what he has learned to help others experience their own success. He's passionate about professional growth and personal development, and he helps professional service providers across the country build better businesses through events, workshops, and coaching offerings. In 2011, he founded Mastermind St. Louis, and we'll chat with him about that. But Mastermind St. Louis is a premier shared learning and networking event that helps small business owners and commission sales professionals in particular with green networking strategies, personal leadership development, and improving productivity. Uh, He loves sharing what he has learned and he's passionate about helping others to build their own radically referable business. And that's going to be the focus of our conversation today. Uh, Brian lives in the St. Louis area. And so again, today we're going to learn about his interesting journey, how he got to where he is today and some tips and advice on how to build a business through radical referability, as Brian refers to it. So once again, Brian K. McRae, welcome to the show. Oh, Henry, it's an honor to be here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. So uh, let's talk about the journey. I I didn't see, I usually do some research. I look at LinkedIn profile. Uh, Did you go to college? Did you go to university? Ah, that is a great question. So a uh, little bit of background. I was uh, uh, born and raised here in St. Louis. Um, I did go to school, um, but I didn't finish college. And uh, frankly, it, uh, for a long period of time, I kind of hid that. And, um, but anyway, it's actually been one of the biggest blessings that I personally, now, by the way, I don't recommend it to my kids, but it's been one of, <laughs> <laughs> but it's been one of my biggest blessings. Cause uh, as you'll see, it's uh, I've always been a, a, a lifelong learner and books have been always something. So it's not stopped me from getting an education. Let me put it that way. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I have the similar experience. I did not finish college either for all kinds of different reasons, which I've touched on here or there throughout the life of this show. Um, and I also kind of had a, certainly had, was defensive about it at different points, yeah. especially when I was in the corporate world, right? Because I was working with people 
who had degrees, so there was some resentment there, and there was certainly an, a bit of inferiority. I've always struggled with imposter kind of syndrome anyway, <laughs> and, and that certainly exacerbated. But, but tell me more on this point. Why, why do you think it, it ended up being a benefit to you? Was it a motivation issue, or why do you think now in retrospect it was not a bad thing? Um, well, it has forced me, um, you know, I've had to, to, you know, after I was fortunate, I, one of the reasons I quit is I was in a, in a, uh, in a job that really kind of fed my ADD, if that makes any sense. I really enjoyed it. I was working for a small consumer electronics company called Best Buy, hmm. uh, way, way back in the day before, uh, this is back in the, um, late eighties, early nineties. And uh, anyway, I just uh, really enjoyed it. And um, I, I really didn't have a purpose or a vision um, for where I wanted to go, but this was feeding my ADD. So anyway, that's what got, that's what I, I just kind of drifted away from school because I didn't see a purpose for it. And I was getting, you know, I was getting validated and I was, you know, doing well in this retail environment. And I kept um, getting promoted. And at one time, I understand I was probably the youngest store manager that they'd ever had. And I kind of rose through that. But anyway, uh, I realized retail wasn't for me. And then I moved into uh, an IT training position and I ran, uh, ran a, I was a, started as a sales manager and ended up being vice president and general manager for that company. That was more in the corporate world. Um, and I just, uh, and then my, my entrepreneurial spirit started kicking in um, and I'll get into that later. I don't know if I've really answered your question. Henry, no, no, you're, you're definitely starting to. Let me ask you this. Did you find especially in your corporate career and your business career, not the entrepreneurial portion of it. Did you find doors that were closed to you because you did not have a degree? Um, you know, I would have, I, uh, whether they were physically closed, they were emotionally closed. There was this thing always hanging over my head that I didn't have it. And I don't even know that I realized it was kind of a, a just a burden that I carried. And I was always trying to prove myself. I, I tell you what it did do, Henry is it forced me to be incredibly professional in the corporate world. Mm, interesting. So I always tried to hide it with, you know, you know, I was pretty, I didn't start shaving more than twice a week until I was probably 30. So <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, but I always tried to come across as incredibly professional. I think that helped me grow on the corporate side. So I think that's one blessing of it. And then on the other end, internally, it forced me to continually have a hunger to learn and be able to, to connect with people because of things that I was learning. So. Yeah, yeah. The other question I get asked a lot, and I want to ask you is, I get asked, well, did you ever think about going back? Now that I have the time, if I wanted to, I could go back. But but there isn't enough drive for me there. I don't, I don't want it now. Um, I could say I don't need it. That's not entirely true, because certainly I would learn something. Right. But w what do you say when, when people ask you that question? Why don't you go back now and get your bachelor's? Well, the, the, the question would be why, what would it do for me? Would, right. it, would, would it, would it give me, what's the trade-off for the time? If I saw mm -hmm. that it would give me a better family life or that it would advance my career, but to be truthful, um, you know, the degree of success that I've had and the fulfillment I'm finding in assisting other people, whether they have a college degree or not, to me, it's a mindset issue. I don't know that a college degree is going to help me any more with my mindset in, a, in being a success in life than not having it. So yeah. Um, so I just, you know, I'm not saying never. I mean, it, there's a point in time that if I think that it'll inspire my girls, I've got three daughters, or if I, it'll inspire my grandkids, you know, if I'm 70 something years old, I'm retired and I decide to go back to school to get a degree. I, maybe, I don't know, but I don't see a, it's not on my, it's not currently in my 
short or midterm goals. Yeah, same, same for me. How old are your kids? Uh, I've got uh, three daughters. I've got a 20-year-old daughter, a 18-year-old daughter, and a, uh, and a 14-year-old daughter. Okay. I have one daughter. She's uh, at university, just finished her second year. So I definitely... You know, yeah. I can think, think. I mean, I was just saying, I pushed her right, and 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 she wanted it, but of course, we we've influenced her. Yeah. So, so why do you think we want our kids to go to college, even though we were successful without it? Um, it's it's probability. I've had that conversation with my kids. I'm like, look, do I think you need this? No. You can. Is it required? I don't want you to hide behind a degree. You're still going to have to go out and and earn the things that you. But it will open doors for you. It's probability. The doors will probably open sooner for you because of, of, of that piece of paper and the experience that you gain versus not. And I just tell them I've been very fortunate and I, you know, but statistically speaking, you know, um, it, I'm probably a, an outlier. Yeah, that's exactly the way I explain it. And then I think there's value for a young person to, after they get their degree, unless they, they absolutely want to go the entrepreneurial route, they've got an idea already. I think there's value to go and spend some time in the corporate world because of what you learn and you can apply to business. Do you agree with that or, or what's your thought on that? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I think uh, it just depends on where their passion's at. If they don't sure. have a passion, I think the corporate world is a great place to get some, some, some experience, some wisdom. If you got a passion, if my kids come out of college and say, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur, I would absolutely support that because that's what better time. So, yeah. Great. Well, thanks for indulging me on those questions. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's been a great, you know, I'm, I'm curious about it because I've come from the same path. So I've always loved to talk to others about it. So thanks for sharing that with our members wow. as well. So are, are you still in, are you still actively working as a senior VP in, in mortgage lending for Central Bank? Explain that, what you're doing today. You've got a lot of things going on right now. Yeah, that's a great question, Henry. And uh, honestly, I appreciate you asking. Um, well, here's, here's, uh, let me, I'll go back to the, the resume just to kind of fill that in. So cent, or, uh, Central Bank is probably my third career, but uh, so there was Best Buy, young married guy, realized that retail and family probably weren't going to be, it wasn't going to be real conducive to being a family guy. Um, I'm not knocking it. It just wasn't the vision of family that I wanted with, you know, different schedules. I really love my wife and enjoyed spending time with her. So I just knew. So I, we spent a brief time away from St. Louis with Best Buy. Then I moved back to uh, St. Louis, took on the position with the IT training firm. And it was a small, it was really a phenomenal experience for me. Mm -hmm. I worked, it was a franchise situation. I worked for the owner. We were one of the fastest growing companies here in St. Louis, got some great experience. The truth of the matter is it was a high pressure situation. And if you've ever been in a job where that pit in the stomach doesn't go away until Friday night or Saturday morning and comes back on Sunday afternoon. Mm. Um, I, and I had two small kids and I just thought, you know what? I've been training, recruiting sales professionals, straight commission sales professionals. And I think, you know, commission sales professionals want usually two things. They want freedom of time and they want freedom of money. And I've been coaching people on that and having some success with it. And I had a friend that was in the mortgage business and uh, he kept, he kept just kind of knocking on my door about once every year for three or four years. And finally I just got fed up and I said, you know, uh, so I gave the mortgage industry a try. Um, and, uh, honestly, I haven't, uh, I haven't looked back. It's been, I've been doing that since 2002. And the reason I tie all that in, and when I got in the business, Henry, um, I noticed you had a little bit of a real estate background. So you, this may resonate with you, but the, when I started in the industry in the mortgage business, um, 
it was a straight commission position and you had several ways. There are several pillars of, of client acquisition. You can go buy leads, you can do all kinds of things. Well, I didn't have the money to do that. Mm -hmm. And the guys that I really enjoyed watching in the, in the mentors in the business were all referral based. And I really had this, I had this desire to build a business where people didn't want to just come to me for my competence, but also for my character. So being able to attract people, which is really part of my definition of a radically referable business. But as anyway, so started in the mortgage business um, and frankly, uh, had some was successful. The oh, 2011, 2012, 2013, probably since then I've been acknowledged as one of the top in the top 1% of professionals, mortgage professionals in the country. And I don't say that to, to impress anyone, just to say that it was really because of building a referral based business. Mm. And so, but you know what happened in, in the real estate <laughs> industry. It, 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 all of your listeners, if uh, you know, they probably do, they either had a mortgage or if they owned a home in you know, 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, it was a mess. Um, but the truth of the matter is I worked for a great, Central Bank's been a great place, um, safe, stable company. Forbes is ranked as one of the best banks in the country. So I didn't have to worry about my company going out of business. We took no TARP funds. And, but the government released some special programs to help homeowners that were underwater. Truthfully, Henry, I was busier than I could possibly imagine. Interesting. Because I built a database built off. I built a database. I built a referral network. And, you know, and so things just kept growing. But in 2010, I really had this vision of helping people. I just had this desire to help the real estate community because they were struggling. I mean, houses weren't selling. I mean, it was just a mess. But yet my business was flourishing. And so I just had this. And I came across a book called Seven Levels of Communication. And um, anyway, I actually ended up speaking with the author, attended one of his events. He encouraged me to start an event. And I'm a big, um, there's, a, there's a, a verse in scripture that says, study, practice, teach. And it's something that's always resonated with me. And so I try to study things that matter. I try to practice things that matter. And if I have, if it benefits me, I try to share those things by teaching them. And so that's what the, how the event Mastermind St. Louis started in, in um, 2011. And honestly, that's been the, the, the starting of that event really fed my entrepreneurial spirit. So mm -hmm. in the mortgage business, I work for a company. So I've kind of got the umbrella. I'm not really responsible for payroll. I don't, have, you know, I don't have to worry about many things. I only have to worry about the sales side and you know, making sure that we honor the commitments that we make. So I, I'm not fully an entrepreneur in the mortgage sense, but in the sense of, in the sense of, this Mastermind St. Louis event, that was my business. As a matter of fact, I had to go and get approval from the company to run this as a business because I found out my CPA said one year, hey, Brian, you, you're, you, what's this revenue from? I said, oh, I sell a few books to, just to kind of cover expenses. They go, um, you need an LLC. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so by the way, if you're an entrepreneur and you're taking money in, you probably need to protect yourself. So That's right. And um, I didn't, you know, I just didn't think about it because it was just a passion. I was trying to help people. So that was really the launching of my uh, entrepreneurial and uh, it's just kind of grown. So in August of this year, that shared learning event has uh, just uh, become a way I've tried to reimagine the way networking is done and it's just grown. We get probably upwards of 250 people a month showing up and really just sharing best practices. We focus on books and any, uh, Henry, by the way, I can go on and on. So I'm gonna hit the pause button. I don't know. If, I don't even know if I answered your question. No, no. Well, you did, but I still want to ask you. So, but you, so you still are with central bank. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then you, you also do speaking and training and coaching in addition to mastermind St. Louis. Is that right? That is correct. 
And, and again, so you've worked it out with them that it's not a conflict of interest and you've got enough time to do this. When, when do you do all this other stuff? <laughs> well, you know, my, my coaching revolves around uh, things that I'm pretty passionate about. One, the first one is leadership, specifically personal leadership. Um, the second one is productivity. And the third one is referral marketing. So you'll kind of, as we talk, and thank you for asking questions because it'll hopefully become a little bit more clear. But um, leadership, I got to be, you know, I, if I want other people to follow, I'm, I'm a big believer of trying to replace myself in every position that I've been in. So I've been blessed to have some great uh, teammates at Central Bank. I've got a phenomenal team. I've got a great team leader. Brad is phenomenal. Our team coordinator is excellent. So my job has kind of evolved into a marketing role and, you know, getting clients to come to call us and, and then the team takes over. Part of that marketing role is me going out into the community yeah. and sharing a message that will help them build their business. You know, we've all heard Zig Ziglar's quote, if you help enough people, just, if you help, just help enough people get what they want, you can have everything in life you want. My real passion is to try to, look, there are small business owners, professional sales providers, commissioned salespeople in every city in this country that don't know how they're going to make their next mortgage payment. Mm -hmm. And my passion is to give them some hope through this event, through the materials we cover, through the books we talk about, because I mean, I've been there. I left a six figure job and went straight commission. Um, and so I know what it's like. I've had some success and I just want to try to help pass that along so that other people can uh, build something special. Yeah, Brian, and not only have you been there, but, but you are there. So you're still doing it, which is fantastic. I think that's what lends even more credibility because you, you are still are part of that industry. So it's not like something you're teaching theoretically that you did 20 years ago. You know what it takes, whether either it's someone who's on a commission basis in the mortgage business or any other related business where we have to go out there and get it and build our business through referral. It applies to, you know, for example, my wife has a travel consulting business. That's all about referrals. You mentioned real estate as a real estate agent, which mm -hmm. I have been, that's all about referrals. So yep. you're actually, you know, practicing it at the same time that you're sharing it, which is fantastic. Oh, thank you. This is Henry Lopez, co-host of the How of Business podcast. And I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are experiencing. And often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. All right, so let's dig into it a little bit more. What radically referable means, you touched on it as you were explaining earlier, that part of it is about attracting people to you, but give us a formal high-level introduction to what that means to be radically referable. Well, I think we all know what it means to be referable, and there's, there's several things to be referable. Number one, you got to be competent at what you do. And frankly, when you take a look at, you know, I'm in the mortgage business, you were in real estate, and everybody always goes out and try to talk about they're more competent than the next guy, or they try to talk about they, they, they lessen the value of what they do by selling on price. Mm -hmm. So uh, a radically referable individual, in my opinion, is somebody who is referred 
we've all heard the know, like, and trust component. And that's really, it's to have a network and have a formal uh, framework of building a community of people that trust you, not only for your competence, but refer people to you because of the content of your character. Mm. And so that, and, and that right there is, and, and when you look at it the other side, uh, Henry, the truth of the matter is, is that I, I, I haven't always, I've always been really good on the business side, but I also wasn't, there was times where I wasn't very good at home. It's interesting. Um, and, and, and I say this because there was a point in time where my desire to be successful at work outpaced my, my desire to be successful at home. Actually, I don't want to say outpaced. I was just unaware that I wasn't being successful at home. It's interesting. I told you about the name of the book, Seven Levels of Communication. The subtitle that has go is go from referrals or go from relationships to referrals. When I started this event, I came home and was telling my wife about how things were going and how people were, how these relationships were really forming. And she looked at me and she said, I'm glad things are going well there. And you can probably finish the other half of that, (laughs) the back end of that. And so, and the reason I bring all that up is because this event, Radically Referrable, you know, is somebody who is seeking, who has fulfillment in more than just being referred. It's one thing to get a ton of referrals, but, you know, Aaron Walker, who is a mentor of mine and a dear friend, he says, it's, you know, you don't want to be the guy that come home, comes home uh, with a pocket full of money to a house full of strangers. And honestly, I was bordering on that. And, um, you know, I really want to try to help, you know, our communities don't need, need, they need great entrepreneurs, but they also need good husbands, fathers, mothers, wives, and so if there's anything that I teach that helps promote that, then that's really what I hope to do is have people with successful businesses that are fulfilling in more than just a business standpoint. But, but how does having the home life be strong and your relationship at home be strong? How do you find that that directly translates into more business or better referrals? Well, why is it that, that it impacts that side of your life positively? Well, I can only speak to, look, I, <laughs> I think we all have a lid and um, I think John Maxwell, one of his, uh, I think it's law number one and it's one of the first laws in his book. Anyway, it's, there's the law of the lid and it's our capacity. And I think if in the, in the back, I mean, truthfully, who wants to, who wants to be that guy with a pocket full of money and a house full of strangers? Mm -hmm. At least I don't. But the point is, is that when you start leaning into that, I will tell you that being a better husband and father and the challenges, I mean, it's not all easy street. So being able to handle that and, you know, nobody's ever regretted spending more time with their kids, nobody. And so I wanted to be a guy, be a better father. And that, so that's helped me. And so I try to take these principles and I, and I believe, so here's, I think personal development always precedes professional development. Right. So you can have some success professionally, but it's going to be capped. Right. Plus, plus there's a hollowness, right. That I think that comes through that people, people can sense, I got to believe, right? Yeah. And so that's got to be part of it as well. You're going to do your best work when every aspect of your life is healthy. Is that fair? I, I couldn't agree more, Henry. Couldn't agree more. So, so that's one thing that holds back people from being effective in generating referrals. The other thing I've seen, Brian, I'd like to, to speak to is, that, that we wanted to happen now. And in my experience, networking and building a business for referral, it takes time. Now, am I looking at that right or am I just not doing it the right way? Do, do you believe that it does take time and that's one of the challenges that you see that people just want immediate results? Yeah, I, um, 
by the way, if you're looking for immediate results, I mean, there's a referral-based business, and that, that's a question that I get from a lot of clients. So coaching clients will say, hey, I'm spending money on this advertising, I'm doing this, and I just, it, it's hard for me to get away. And, and really, what is, whenever we're looking for quick results, it's usually an addictive thing, and it's usually something that can change. So for instance, in real estate, which by the way, I'm not a big lead. I don't like to purchase leads because mm. uh, I, like I, I like to invest in relationships. And the interesting part is, is that, and you know, in real estate and usually with travel, most people have relationships that refer them multiple times. So I was always looking for that. That does take, relationships just take time. And so having a, you know, to your point, having a sense of fulfillment in, in, in multiple areas of life, not just business, I think attracts quality people to your life that are, that want to, that are interested in you because they see something that they may not see from somebody else. So mm-hmm. anyway, I don't know that I answered your question. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Just making some notes here. You touched on the concept of mindset and how important that is. Obviously we've been talking about components of that. You talked about, you have to be competent. We just touched on the, the big topic, which is that the rest of your life has to be healthy as well, especially your home life. What else do you think is is key to having that radically referable mindset, as I think you refer to it? What else haven't we talked about that I, that leads to that mindset? Do you think? Well, I think it's our character uh, is is it foremost. And when I whenever with the programs that I work with, I think character. And I don't. Most people, when I say character, they, the first thing that comes to mind are is honesty, integrity, do what you say you're going to do. Right. And those those are all true. Those are baseline. That's that's baseline character. So that absolutely. But our character is really, you know, my definition of character is it's a, it's, it's the sum of our thoughts, our words and our actions. And so what dictates that? And I think the one thing that I, that I see pretty consistently and the one thing that I lacked from the personal experience that I just shared with you was I had a vision for certain areas of my life, but I, in business, I had a vision of what I wanted to accomplish but I didn't know why. And once I figured out why I wanted to accomplish that and started putting a vision together, it's interesting, not long after my wife made that comment, which by the way, I'm still happily married. I don't think I finished that. <laughs> We're gonna be celebrating 26 years worth of marriage and I am a blessed man, there's no question. But when she did that, there was some accountability she put in my life that I needed. And the point is, is that she forced me and I sat down, I went to Lowe's one time when she was uh, out with the kids over a weekend and uh, I got a, a whiteboard that was about uh, uh, four feet long and two feet high. And I just started mapping out. I did a mind map of my vision. And I share this in, my, in some of my keynotes and in my training sessions. But I would encourage everybody. Number one, pick a date in the future. Plant a flag. For me, it's my anniversary in 2022. That's my current vision. And those are the dates. And I've got some things. I've then number so that's number one, pick a date in the future. Number two, pick the areas of life that are most important to you. And number three, decide what you want to have happen by that. Just dream. Don't have any, just start writing things down. I'll give you an example. When I did this back in 2013, you know, I wrote down some things that my wife and I weren't doing, like play tennis together in the doubles league. I wasn't even playing tennis at the time. And we started doing things together. And it just kind of, our mind goes to work on those things. And we subtly make these decisions that we wouldn't make if we didn't have that vision. So mm-hmm. anyway, mindset, I think you've got to have a vision for where you want to go. And I honestly, nobody ever taught me that. So that's why I love sharing it. I've got something called a vision story exercise that I take my clients through and it just gives them a tremendous amount of clarity about why they're doing things and a purpose for their business. So 
anyway. Do you, do you think then, because I want, I want to segue into now is a, a little bit of more of the tactical stuff that you cover yeah. in your Radically Referrable Workshop, but the number one thing is the art of giving. It seems to me that a lot of what you're talking about here is if, if we are working on our whole self, not just the business side of it, and we've got this vision that you just talked about, and we, we've done that exercise, so we have some clear vision in all of these aspects of our lives, we're then better able to really give to others and really develop those trusting relationships that aren't just about what do you mean to be monetarily, but, but you're helping others in different ways. Is, is that part of how you're building these radically referable relationships? Well, you talked about giving there, Henry. And um, there's a book by uh, Adam Grant called Give and Take, a phenomenal book. And he talks about the different reciprocity styles. And he, he looked at something called the success ladder. And he found that there were three reciprocity styles. Um, and I'm summarizing the book. And if Adam's a listener, I apologize. If, I, if, I, <laughs> if I'm, But here's what I took from the book. There's three reciprocity styles. And these can apply in different areas of life. But in, from a business standpoint, there's givers, there's takers, and there's matchers. And whenever we give, you know, givers give without the expectation of anything in return. Matchers, is, it's a quid pro quo scenario. If I give you something, I expect something back. And takers look to extract as much value out of a room as they possibly can mm-hmm. from a situation. Well, Adam found in his studies, he's a social scientist. Uh, that's my term, but he's actually the, I think he's at the uh, youngest tenured professor at the Wharton School of Business is I think his official title, but smart guy, engaging, wonderful. You can look at some of his uh, TED talks and his book is awesome. But my point is, is that in, in being a giver, he found that there were um, givers ended up at the bottom of the success ladder and at the top. And there were really four things that he pulled out that at least that I took out of a successful giver and they know where they're going. I just talked about the vision, right? They, they have an idea where they're headed. They have a tribe. They've got connections. They've got people that support them. And then the key for building a radical, because remember, we get pulled in so many directions. But knowing how to add value at a low personal cost, he found was huge. He did a study on teachers, and teachers would burn out because they, they just they wanted to provide so much value, but they didn't know how to do it at a low personal cost. They would burn out because they did it at a high personal cost. And so that was the third thing. And the fourth thing is that they, they asked for help. They asked questions. They, they, they were curious and, also, and engaged people when it came to helping them. So those four things are really part of building a radically referable business. So when you know how to engage your community and you can provide help, we want to be a giver. And um, Henry, I can go on and on. You can tell I get a little passionate about no, this. That's great stuff. That's, that's good uh, actionable takeaway stuff there on how you begin to do this. The, the other, there's a bunch of items that you talk about in this workshop. I just kind of picked a few here for us to talk about. But you talk about building your lock, L-O-C-K, a list of connections that you know. Talk to me about that and how you help people with that. Is that is that a good starting point? Is that what that's about to start to build a radically referable network? Well, Henry, if I can uh, if I can be incredibly blunt, um, I am a an aspiring entrepreneur. I love sharing this stuff, so I like acronyms. And the truth of the matter is, is that I am an entrepreneur, and I haven't updated my website. I have changed that and I call it an inventory. It's an IRA now. Okay. Is what I call it. Got it. Um, so an IRA is a, is an acronym for inventory. Well, first of all, we all know what an IRA is. Mm-hmm. So as a, as an entrepreneur, you've got a self-directed IRA and you can fund that and that takes care of your retirement. 
The IRA that I'm talking about is your network. It is your, it is your inventory of relational assets. And it's so important to guys in, at least in a commission position or that are in a relationship-based business. Because so many times people go to a networking event, they'll get two, four, 10, 15 different cards of people that they meet, and then they go sit in a drawer. Right. So, and you do that over a period of years, and you know it's like showing up at retirement age and not having put any money in your retirement account. So an inventory of relational assets is what funds, is what you build your business around. And what I encourage people to do is it's nothing more than a database. And I don't care whether it's an Excel spreadsheet. I don't care whether it's an advanced CRM. You have to collect all your connections. There's three, three things to do with your inventory of relation, relational assets. Collect, prioritize, and engage. And I'll explain. Collect, it's real simple. Collect all your relationships and put them in one place. So if you need a phone number, you know where to get it. The other beautiful part behind that is, Henry, if you needed, uh, you know, I mentioned Aaron Walker. If you wanted to talk to Aaron Walker after this interview, I can give you something. I can pass along his con contact information. I can text it to you right now because I have a database. So many other people would say, oh, I'll connect you with them. And they never do. And then they lose a chance to be an incredible giver and a connector. Right. So, so building a database or a list of people that you can have access to that's mobile with you with technology today and the data and the CRMs that are available, there's absolutely no reason not to be able to connect people instantaneously. So collect. Number two is prioritize. A mentor of mine told me, he said, Brian, he says, look, all relationships are, are equal. I mean, God created us all and we're all equal in that sense, but not every person is equal to your business. So I learned that lesson the hard way. When I started in the business, I used to write a Christmas card to everybody in my database. I see. Well, guess what? The vast majority of them didn't care whether they got one from me or not. So I decided to stop sending Christmas cards to everybody. And I started, decided to just start focusing on the individuals who had really invested in me. Yeah. And that, that, if I can interrupt, that goes back, I think, Brian, to the point you made of like the school teacher who's investing, not just emotionally, but financially, all of this that doesn't get returned and you burn out when you do that. You simply yep. can't do it, right? Yep. And the, the Christmas card is just a small example of it, but, but it adds up all of these different yes. things. You have to prioritize. Yes. And so you have to prioritize your relationships. And so, and I don't mean that I don't want to love on everybody, but right. I don't have to love on them all equally. So I just try to prioritize them and make sure that the people who are phenomenal assets to my business know it with my time, my attention, if I'm going to spend money that I, you know, all, all the things that are important to me, I can categorize that and allocate it appropriately based off of their, how much they're impacting my business. So. Okay. So give me an example of engaging with those people who are prioritized as phenomenal assets. What's an example of engaging? Well, I call it the connection offense. Um, so if you can imagine a triangle, at the top of the triangle, the top point on the triangle is what I call, uh, it's not what I call, everybody calls them more than likely if they do networking, they call it a one-on-one -on -one meeting. It's a situation where you're sitting down, having a cup of coffee or lunch, you're meeting with somebody, getting to know more about them. Um, by the way, I think we need to be incredibly curious during that. One way to be a giver is just listen. Everybody needs to be listened to. So in the connection offense, I invite some one of my top referral partners. I get together with them and I focus on them. You know, I heard a quote recently that said, uh, you know, listening is like psychological oxygen. Hmm. 
And when we listen to somebody, it feeds them that we need to be listened. We need to be heard. So getting people to talk is an incredible skill. And they do that by just listening and asking quality questions. So one-on-one -on -one meeting is at the top of the connection offense. So after I meet with somebody at a one-on-one -on -one meeting, then I am going to either follow up with them with a phone call or I'm going to invite them to an event. Those are the other two legs. So you got one-on-one -on -one at the top of the, the triangle and at the, the bottom two parts of the triangle, uh, points of the triangle are phone calls and events. And frankly, the event, uh, and I can talk about either one, but the events is my real passion. That shared learning event. Right. Uh, Mastermind St. Louis has been a game changer. I can talk about that a little bit more if you're interested, or I can talk about uh, any other questions that you might have. Well, let me ask you a question specifically. I always ask this question when we're on this topic. Uh, you've just closed a deal, new client. When do you ask for a referral? When do you ask that new client to refer you to their friends and family? Wow, that is a great question. Um, and truthfully, uh, the interesting part is I have studied this. You know, the most uncomfortable thing, the thing that I dread doing the most is asking for a referral. Interesting. Now, there, most of the books won't tell you that. Most of the sales guys will tell you, ask for a referral, have a script. It just doesn't seem genuine to me. Um, and so here... Well, Henry, go ahead. It sounded like you had something to add. No, no, no. I, I, I was going to say that because I struggle with that as well. And I just wonder if some of it is that imposter syndrome coming in for me thinking, well, I haven't, I haven't delivered value yet. All I've done is sold them. I haven't delivered value yet. So I have a tendency to want to wait until I've delivered value. But like you were going, there's so many different thoughts on this. And so I'm, I'm always wondering, am I missing out? Am I asking at the right time? What is the right time? And I think it depends on each individual, but what are your thoughts? Well, here's uh, one of the things that I try to do is, um, you know, I've, I've, I've referenced scripture a couple of times. And there's a, there's a, uh, another scripture that says, let another praise you, not your own lips. Mm -hmm. So when somebody says something kind, um, I always try to capture that, to be honest with you. So I'll ask them, you know, would you be, you know, thank you for those kind words. Um, and one of the things that I teach my uh, students in workshops is um, I say, follow that up. First of all, embrace it. Most people make the mistake when they get a compliment. Yeah. They, they, they deflect it. They say, oh, no big deal. That's what I'm hired to do. No, honestly, um, you need to embrace it because when you deflect, it's actually like people are present when somebody says something kind about you, they're presenting you with a gift and it's like mm -hmm. turning a gift away. So accept the gift, acknowledge it because it, it, it edifies the other person. But then secondly say, you know, that really means a lot. And then take some notes. If you're on the phone or if you're in person, then I would follow up or say, Hey, do you mind if I use that? I'd love to use that in a testimonial. One of the things that I teach my students is, um, is to share their successes through the eyes of their clients. And testimonials are a great way to do that. So, so, so that's a way of asking. It's not directly saying, hey, do you have any friends and families that could use my services? But it is a way of asking for that referral, at least that testimonial component that's so critical to then building out a business. And so you're doing that probably shortly after they've agreed to yeah. you know, use your services, right? Right. That's usually when people are telling you, oh, this was such a great experience. I really enjoyed how you educated me, whatever the feedback might be. And I think it's a great point on accepting that praise and compliment and then using that, leveraging that value. Absolutely. Okay. We'll wrap it up with this last question on that. If I'm, if I'm, when you're helping somebody get started, 
on executing on this concept of becoming radically referable, where do I start? Is there a place that you usually have someone start? I mean, we've talked about some of the higher level things, right? Yep. Like character and, and all of those things, but we're tactically, where do I start? Um, tactically, if this is, uh, if we're just nuts and bolts, you're trying to build a referral, you're trying to increase the percentage of your business, of your income, of your profit that comes from referrals, which by the way, in my opinion, there's not a more profitable way to run a business than through referrals. Um, that's just my opinion. But that being said, um, if somebody's looking to grow the percentage of their business or profits that are coming from referrals, simply do this. Start with your inventory of relational assets, get that collect, prioritize and engage. So a real simple thing. Uh, and I'll, when I started in the business, here's how I started. I collected every body that I knew on a, by the way, this was in 2002. <laughs> um, I couldn't afford a database and uh, the internet was still, you know, we had it, but there, there weren't the free tools. So um, I literally started with a yellow pad. So I wrote down all the individuals and I started calling them. And I had a strategy. I wanted one of two things when I called. So for instance, when I go back and successful givers ask for help. So I called the relationships that I had made deposits with emotional deposits with over time. And I just called them and I asked them for some help. I said, Hey, I'm not calling you to refinance your house or I got to change careers and I'm not asking you to do business with me, but I do need some help. So I took the pressure of them doing business and having to say no to me. And I just said, but by the way, it was resonating with them that I was in a new business but I wasn't asking them for business. Mm -hmm. And I said, um, who do you know that is in real estate? Who do you know that's a financial advisor? Who do you know that's an attorney? Who do you know that's a CPA? And I started to build a list of what I call trusted influential professionals. Cause what I didn't have was people that could refer me time and time and time and time again, if they trusted me. And those are real estate agents, financial advisors, CPAs, attorneys. So I just started calling people I knew and getting introductions. And the beautiful thing behind that is when I call, if I would have called you and said, Henry, you know, uh, and we knew each other and you gave me the name of two or three professionals that you trusted. If I call them and say, Henry, you know, Henry passed your name along to me and had great things to say about you. If you have a few minutes, what do you think they're going to say? Oh, absolutely. They'll at least listen for a few minutes. Exactly. And it opened up the door for me to start to play the connection offense, which was either to invite them to a, you know, a one at that point in time, it was a one-on-one -on -one for me because I didn't really have an event that I trusted at that point in time. But, um, and that's why I started Mastermind St. Louis was to have an event that I could invite somebody to, to help them, help them grow. Anyway, build your inventory of relational assets and then engage people, phone calls, one-on-ones and events. Love it. Great stuff. All right. Uh, we've touched on it, but summarize for us, would you like to know what you would like us to know rather about the services you offer today, I think particularly the St. Louis Mastermind. Just tell us about what uh, all the services that you offer your clients today. Um, well, Henry, I'm, we, I work at Central Bank. We're a nationwide, nationwide lender, so we can help all around the country. Um, truthfully, we'll do a great job. But my real passion, if there's, if there's somebody listening, you can go out to my website, BrianKMcRae.com. My contact information is there. If you're looking to build a referral-based business, if you're you know, a small business owner or somebody really struggling to figure out how to do some, I've got some coaching programs. I've launched a, a, a group coaching program is having some wonderful success. We're bringing no more than 10 people together in these groups and we get together on a weekly basis and we just, we're reading a book, not together, but we talk, we, we have a book conversation. Um, and then each individual, uh, we're, they've got a, a framework of success that we're using around a book called the 12 week year. So there's some accountability, and we're all going through the same thing together and they get to share. And then there's something called a spotlight where they get to jump in and share 
what their biggest challenge is right now, and they get the feedback from other individuals who have either accomplished it or struggling with the same thing. It's an amazing, some crazy things happening there. But if somebody's interested, or the other passion is I really would love to get 25 mastermind events around the country, okay. like, like Mastermind St. Louis. I've got uh, some folks that I'm helping in, uh, in Bluffton, South Carolina. Uh, a good friend of mine, Scott Beebe, is launching his uh, on June 21st. Uh, there's a group in Illinois that's launching one. We've got some other groups here in St. Louis that uh, have really, these shared learning events are changing communities. So if there's a leader out there that really loves digesting information, implementing it, and then sharing it with other people, it'll create influence in your life like nothing else I've ever experienced. Wonderful. Wonderful. All right, good. Uh, books. We've mentioned quite a few already. You just mentioned the 12-week year. You mentioned Give and Take by Adam Grant. And of course, uh, you were talking about the seven levels of communication. Is there any other book that comes to mind that you would recommend? Uh, you know, I've recently read the E-Myth again. Okay. Uh, if you, if you, <laughs> you can't go wrong with that one. No. Um, uh, there's another book called Profit First yes. uh, that has absolutely blown my mind. Um, as a small business owner, because, you know, this coaching and consulting business and has, I, I'm trying to set that up under the profit first model. There's no mm -hmm. sense in, you know, there's no sense in entrepreneurial poverty is not something that I want to ever experience. So. Yeah, that's a great book. I changed the way I do budgeting and forecasting every year. It really did. Oh, that's awesome. <clears throat> I okay. love hearing that. Great, great recommendations. And we'll have links to all of these books on the show notes page for this episode at thehowofbusiness.com. We'll wrap it up here, last two questions. Brian, what's, what's one thing that we've chatted about, particularly around this topic of radical referability? What's one thing you'd like us to take away? Um, you know, Henry, that's a great question. And I get asked, look, generally speaking, and, and, and I love listening to podcasts, and when there is an idea that excites you, implement. Success favors the speed of implementation. So just go and implement, take action immediately on something that you, if there's anything that somebody heard, go take action. That'd be it. Yeah. I love that because I listen to podcasts as well. I listen to it usually when I'm on a walk or at the gym and something will spark my imagination and a thought, but then it goes away, you know, Yeah. because I've got that kind of a mind. And so I forget about it, but that's such a great point to take a, an action could just be make a note to myself, put a create a to do, yep. go to that website, whatever the action is so that at least it doesn't just float away and, and you've lost that idea or that, that spark. Yep. Absolutely. Completely agree. Tell us again where you'd like us to go online to find out more. It's real easy. It's Brian, B-R-I-A-N, uh, middle initial K as in Keith, and then the last name is McRae, M-C-R-A-E.com, BrianKMcRae.com. Perfect. And we'll have a link to that, of course, as well on the show notes page for this episode. Just search for Brian at thehowofbusiness.com. Brian, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Thanks for indulging all of my questions and going off on all these tangents. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. You are a generous and talented host, Henry. This has been a pleasure. Thank you. Folks, this is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest today, again, was Brian K. McRae. We release episodes every Monday morning, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com. 